You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today's episode is about surviving and thriving in the thinking center. I'm super excited about this episode because being one of the counterparts of the thinking triad, I am so happy that we get to dissect ourselves a bit today if you're with me as a five, six, or seven. I'm also happy for the spouses and people of this group because you want to figure us out just every bit as much as we want to figure you out. That is one of our favorite things to do, by the way. But before we get to that, I want to say happy new year. We are all so excited to be out of 2020 in just a few days. And if you're listening to this afterwards, we hope 2021 has some great things about it. And I know each year has its ups and downs, but we're all just so grateful to have made it out of 2020 and really realizing more than we ever have as a culture how precious life is, which we just didn't expect. Last year, I can remember I had just started this podcast on December 29th, 2019, and we just were thinking about doing a fun fitness challenge with your spouse or on your own if you didn't have a spouse who wanted to do it with you, and we had so much fun, but we just didn't know what was ahead, and we were focusing and centering, so I'm excited to do a challenge with you this year that is hopefully even more meaningful meaningful and deep and rich as a response to our year. So be looking for that next week. And if you're not on my email list at enneagramandmarriage.com or at my counseling business, reflectionscc.com, go ahead and get on that email list so that you can be ready for the challenge next week. It's going to be next Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Also on next week's podcast and on the Instagram this week, I'll be announcing the podcast contest winner. So we have just one more day left of the podcast contest. Leave a review if you've enjoyed it this year. And that's at Apple Podcast. So now we're going to talk about the thinking people of the Enneagram. And hopefully we're all thinking. In fact, what's funny about the thinking triad or the head triad is sometimes even we get stuck and aren't really thinking. So we're all supposed to think, we're all supposed to feel, and we're all supposed to do our body work, right? That's when we're balanced. So we're going to try to help the people in that group to both be understood as well as loved and also helped. So that's a big goal for today, but I have several tips I think that are going to be so important for you. So let's get going on these thinking types and what we're all about. So the etiology of the thinking types goes back to the primal brain and the earliest beginnings. We have several parts of our brain working when we're developing the limbic response, which is emotional, and the body response, which is very visceral. And then we have that front part of our brain doing a lot of our thinking, our prefrontal cortex. And we don't know why some people have developed a predisposition to go to this part of the brain first, but five, sixes, and sevens have found their safety here. And so if this is your person, I don't want you to blame them for this any more than you should be blamed for going to your first response place. It's something that is pre-verbal and typically a response of just your own gifts as well as your traumas. So it's been very helpful for people in the thinking triad to think through their problems first. And there's a lot of people who talk about 
thinking in the world and prize it even above all. I noticed as I was looking for quotes about thinkers that I'll share on some Instagram this week, a few of them really popped out at me. And maybe even in some of them, I don't even want to repeat, just seemed to put thinking too far ahead of some of the other ways to be. And we're a little arrogant with it. So if you're in the thinking triad, make sure you're not arrogant about your gift. You have to have all three types of intelligence or things don't work out right. So I'm going to read a couple of quotes, but the first one is, Rene Descartes, the philosopher, I think, therefore I am. And that's important. Then there's another fun quote, I didn't think. That said, Professor McGonagall is obvious. And that's by J.K. Rowling. And then lastly, I think that we really have to just add this one for relationship fun. You will always be the answer when somebody asks me what I'm thinking about, Lisa Brooks. It took me quite a while to find a few female quotes. I was noticing how maybe we have a predisposition for males in our culture for thinking. And I'm sure that's because guys have kind of that motif of being logical, whereas women have that motif of being emotional. But I hope that we're all trying to be balanced. And as you know, I'm a thinker. So sometimes I might miss out and people may say you're aggressive or assertive or you missed my feelings. And that's okay for me to admit and to still say I'm a female. So don't feel like you can't own being a woman, even if thinking is your first priority or your first place you go in instinct, because that's something that happened a long time ago. And all the five, sixes, and sevens that I've talked about have really talked to me about safety versus not feeling safe. And just as we say with body types, they like to really have a sense for right and wrong. And heart types, they really like to have a sense of what they love versus what they can't stand. We also really like feeling safe and versus unsafe as thinking types. So I think that's important for you to also empathize with your partner if they're a five, six, or seven, or if that's you, where you understand safety is important. But I'll say to us in that triad, it isn't everything. We can't put self-preserving needs ahead of everything and everyone else, even though we may say, I feel so much better when I have some time to process my thoughts. And when I say that, you're probably thinking about fives. You're thinking, oh yeah, that's the quintessential five, the person who needs a lot of time in their head and goes and retreats. And that's also true of six and seven because six needs that time to plan out things and troubleshoot and to remember that they are really going to do a good job. They're very helpful in the world and they know how to take care of themselves, even though they doubt that sometimes. And then with sevens, their thinking goes all over the place, but we need to come back and to focus like our five counterparts and say, what can I do? How can I bring my spirit back to that place of thinking clearly and focusing? And so you're probably wondering, well, what would the work of the five be then? Back to the five coming full circle, we realize the five's work is to let go and to be in a flow more versus hoarding all of their thoughts because they're already so good at focusing, but their job is to grow with the flow as one rec therapy account I really like says. So they have to really learn how to be more with their life flow in that sense of I let things in, I let things out. It's circular, it's back and forth. Energy will come back as I give it out. And it does. And God's mercies are new every morning. And that is something we, in the thinking triad, we can be doubting Thomases. We have to take with a bit of faith, but I hope we'll be brave enough to take our baby steps 
and to do that. And I know that I'm going to be brave like my nine daughter got me the funny shirt from What About Bob. Um, It's that funny movie. I don't know if you remember it from the 1990s. It's hilarious. And she got me a shirt that he was wearing in the movie that says, don't hassle me, I'm local. And I just cracked up. I shared it on Instagram because I'm like, this is a thinker's shirt. (laughs) You know, we're just like, oh my gosh, like if I even get out at all, like let me live and just, you know, having fun as what about Bob? Because he's probably a neurotic six right in the center of the thinking triad. He's always concerned with what might be wrong with him and what might not be safe. And so the paradox at the end of that that hilarious movie is that Bob is one of the healthiest people around. So if you can come around to be able to use your neuroses to grow yourself and to tell others about facing the fears and going to the depths and following the worst case scenario through and realizing the other shoe has dropped and you're still standing, then you're in a good position as a thinker to move in the world and to not give up on the world. So be patient as spouses of your thinker because they're doing this process every day and sometimes even every moment of every day like Bob who kept saying baby steps into the office, baby steps out of the office when he was visiting his psychiatrist because sometimes it truly is an everyday, every moment experience for the people in this triad. And so you might even ask, well, why would they really want to live like this? And like I said, it's kind of precognizant, pre-thought as to how it even comes. But as I explain in each of the episodes where I go type by type through everything, I wanted to remind you in those episodes that those of us in the thinking triad had to find our own safety. We usually found out somebody wasn't trustworthy or they were overwhelming or that they probably weren't going to be able to take care of us. So we developed routes for how we would do things that would work. And they do, by and large, thinkers can manage. I know sixes act like they can't sometimes, but they are the most resilient of all the types, actually. Once they come around to realizing that they have all these good ideas, they've planned, they know what to do, and they're set. So it it really is the work of these types to say, I can do that. But being part of community, doing our body work and experiencing our emotions will give us a fuller, richer, deeper life. And so sometimes I think about those scientists who are in their labs all the time in, you know, a meme kind of a way, because there's a lot of scientists who are probably listening right now who are very well-rounded. But I'm thinking about the ones who are so esoteric and in their lab coat all day, all night. And I think that for those of us who are with somebody outside of the thinking triad, it helps us to not do that all day. And it's really good for us to be with somebody who can say, come on out of that. Or we might be different numbers or different subtypes in the thinking triad. And it's very helpful if you have, say, a sexual subtype who says, hey, let's do some one-on-one time. Or somebody who has a social subtype who says, you know, I love how we're innovative, but let's go give to the world. This is really getting stale to not interact, to not engage to think all the time and to not engage with the rest of our lives and our experiences and these other kinds of intelligence which we need. So this is important work for you guys to be doing as a couple and individually wherever you're at is find little ways you can help each other even if you're two thinkers. But make sure that you don't look like that meme who never comes out and experiences love and giving to others because you're in your imagination so much 
even if you did learn a long time ago that you couldn't trust others. Because I'm going to tell you, you can still love others even if you can't trust them. There's people right now in your family, maybe even your spouse, where you've said, I don't know if I can fully trust that person 100%, but I love them and I generally trust them and I'm doing my best to trust them 100%. But you know, we've had some issues and I've had to forgive them for some things. And so I want to remind those in the thinking triad, even if you don't have that perfect relationship, you can still live your life and not be in your thoughts all the time. Another tip I want to give to those in the thinking triad is that you guys remember that we are supposed to feel Even though we hear all the time, make sure there's this train analogy you get when you go to therapy school. Cognitive behavioral therapy is very popular when you're training as a therapist, and you always hear that the feelings are the caboose and that the thoughts should lead. And that's great. And there's a lot of biblical imagery for that as well. Philippians 4, 8 comes to mind. Think on things that are good and pure and lovely. And I love that. I love taking my thoughts captive. But what we really need to remember is that we do need those feelings to help us to understand what's going on. Because if we don't at least look at our feelings, then what we're going to do is not going to be helpful. So let me explain this in an actual analogy. So maybe I'm thinking that my daughter doesn't like me very much. And I have three hypotheses as to why she doesn't like me very much. And I just keep going through them each time. And I can't get out of it because all I'm doing is thinking and I'm really good at thinking. And I maybe even had some advanced debate classes, which I did. And then I have to face myself and say, gosh, something's not right. I feel all tense. My head is hurting. I'm just, you know, this is awful. I can't get out of this cycle. So you can see I'm going to need to do some kind of a pivot, right? So I can move to body or I can move to heart right there. And I would recommend moving to heart, even if you have to use your body to get to the heart, which I have to sometimes, but get to your heart by choosing a feelings word. And you can help your spouse or partner with this. If they're a thinker and they don't do this very much, you can show them a feelings wheel, which I've attached to the show notes. So you can say, okay, here's a bunch of feelings words. What are you feeling right now? And ask yourself this or your partner, and you're going to come up with some things that are going to probably surprise you because you're so stuck in your thoughts. And you might say, wow, I'm melancholy as a general feeling right now. I didn't realize this was perhaps coloring my thoughts or I'm sad or I'm morose, or I'm bereaved right now. So of course, I'm looking at life through these tinted glasses. And I may need some time with God or journaling or weeping to let this out. And that may help me to, as King David had in the Bible, that moment where his son dies, and he's stuck in his thoughts, and then he cries. And then he's able to get up, wash his face and eat and move forward as tragic as that is. And as much as that heartache sticks with him, it's important as a process that we release the pain that we might not be feeling. And he was pretty good about that. He probably wasn't in the thinking triad with us. He was pretty natural at feeling. So I really like that we are remembering the feelings because 
They will help us get unstuck. And sometimes we thinkers need to move through the body because we can have trouble with context switching. We can switch too much. Basically, I'm in my thoughts and I'm moving from one computer screen to the next. I've got a bunch of tabs open and I'm going to get overstimulated in my mind with all these ideas and rationalizations. And there's no easy route to the heart. So what I recommend when thinkers get stuck there is going through the body. So for fives, a lot of the time, they end up going on a walk. A lot of fives don't love to do other exercise beyond a walk because they're like, I don't have that much energy. A walk feels very good and very safe to me. For a six, it really depends on where you're at with your health. A lot of the time, a six has health issues because they just are very cognizant as a thinker about what's going on in their body with health, and they want to prevent issues. So for a six, I would just say, monitor your health. Do what feels good to you physically, bodily. If you have an injury, do something different than that injury. Don't go to your nine place of sloth for this part, though. You you need your body work, too. And then to a seven, I would say, yes, do everything, do anything, but for a limited amount of time, because as you know, fellow sevens, we can stay out all day. And our families might even love that about us. My one, for instance, doesn't always need to do special emotional processing because he's a one and ones go to four and to seven. So he's a body type, he thinks, and he naturally also goes to emotions. So he already has a route that he takes. And so when I need to do this seven route, which we have experiences in our bodies and we have experiences with our head at seven, five, and one, we don't naturally go to the heart all the time. So unless I'm having a moment where I'm in my tri-type four space or I'm hormonal, it might not come as easily. I might get stuck. And that happens to me sometimes. And I could just say, okay, thinking and body work. And then Wes is totally like, oh, perfect. I can say I'm grieving something. And maybe my friend or a therapist recommended that I do emotional work. But really, I think I'll just stay out in the woods all day and jog and work out. And if we were having a day off, he would just say, wonderful. So I think you need to remember your spouse can't do the work for you and they might not know what the work is. They might not have the same struggles. So make sure if you're a seven that you limit yourself and give yourself these windows. You don't have to make five minutes. Sometimes on my busy work days, it's five minutes, but try for something in the body for an hour if you really like the longevity, but don't stay in your body work for five, six hours because A, you need to do your priorities and your work and B, you need to have some energy left to deal with your emotions. And then all of a sudden, there's balance for any of these three types. When you've gone through the body, you've sat in the emotions, you've looked at a feelings wheel, or really just took some time to identify feelings. You can also use music if you need. Now you're starting to have the fullness of experiencing and feeling and also thinking. And so you're presenting to your spouse a much more well-rounded package versus just a logical, rational person. And I think your spouse really appreciates when you show up fully, when you don't just show up for them in your head, especially when you're having intimacy or a date and they're like, I love the facts and figures. I love the ideas. Can we just be together? Can we just enjoy each other's company? And you're much less likely to be able to do that if you're keyed up in your head with your worries as a six or your ideas as a five or seven. So make sure you're getting your daily self-care in all three areas. 
I'm going to briefly go through some tips for each of the types as well here because I think you have some nuances you need to pay attention to as a five, six, or seven. A lot of us who spend time in five and especially actual fives need a lot of time to recover after Christmas. They also have needed more time to recover during pandemic because even though a lot of fives came home that I've worked with, they've had families just on the other side of the door and it's been extremely emotionally intense because they can feel the energy of their families. They have a relational quality and they want to love and help people, but with such limited energy and such focused work, it's very hard for them to be in two places at once. They have to give themselves over to everything they're doing all at once if possible. So I want to remind you guys, you're normal if you're a five and you're feeling extra anxious this year and people keep saying to you, oh, you've probably loved pandemic because you've been able to be at home and haven't had to go to work. Whereas a lot of fives are saying, I would have loved to go to work. This has been so hard. So I think it's important to normalize it and say, let's find your rhythm. And some fives I know are saying, okay, I want to go to my office once or twice a week, or I need a little getaway, or their families are saying, there are certain times of the day when I can leave and give you some time to yourself. And that's important. Let them do their woodworking. Let them do their painting, whatever they are. If they're that four wing or if they're using technology in fun ways and like to video game, let them have their downtime. Something I like to do in my five space. And somebody was telling me recently that a lot of TikTokers, new moms do this. I didn't know this is to wear headphones, even if you just have them off or on very low, because it can help take out some of that external noise that feels stressful to somebody who's in their head all day. So you don't want to do this. If you have a baby, you need to hear this cry, but you also need to realize that there may be a little bit, you know, maybe you have a touch of being on the spectrum or ADHD where you have to focus and it doesn't mean you need a, an extreme label or medication necessarily. It just means that you need to find routes that are not only going to work for you as a thinker, but also work for you to engage with your family in healthy ways while finding your own time for thoughts. So that's something that I don't want you to just ignore your people. I could be so good at that and I really won't do that ever because I want to be a nurturing mom first, but I also know that we need our self-care. So I want to invite you guys to be thoughtful and I know you will be thoughtful about that, but also to be emotional to say, I'm here for my spouse and kids, and as much as I may find fun in nature, exploring, or I want to make lists and talk about worries, or I want to get into my video game, you need to make sure you remember your people and that love and social action and one-to-one -one time is very important. And you're important too. So don't give up on trying to find ways that you guys can compromise and make that happen for each other. So with fives in particular, I also want to let you guys know your passion is avarice. Your passion is that greed of emotional and physical space to yourself. You don't want to share that when you're stuck in your passion. And we're always dealing with our passion, right? Mine's gluttony, which we'll get to. But for this avarice, I want you to make sure that you're really aware of it, that it's with you, and that you're really working on the flow and going with that flow and saying, I'm giving out and I'm taking in. 
And that's a beautiful thing that it's moving in both directions. And now you can be more vibrant and full of life and your family feels loved. And you're actually quite intense as fives when you're in this space and you're showing up. So I think that's really important that you work on that passion because what's beautiful about you is when you're not in your passion, you're actually moving into your virtue And that virtue is non-attachment. It's not detachment, like you're totally detached from everybody. It's just you're not attached to your full control. And you're saying, I'm going to let things in and out as they will. And I'm going to be in nature and in life and with my family. And I'm just here. And it is what it is. And it will be enough. And so that takes some amount of trust and faith in the process. And I hope in God, but that's up to you because sometimes a five says, you know, I just don't have that evidence. And that's a journey everybody has to experience for themselves. We can't do that for each other. And we want to have hope and not despair. But I also want you to understand, I get it if you're thinking a lot and you're like, faith doesn't fit into my thinking. So Really understand that you can still do this work, even if you're not one to have a major spiritual life. Although I really do believe that spiritual presence is important for your work, that that's an important thing to explore, even if you're not comfortable with the way you were raised in faith or you have some of that spiritual trauma that we've talked about. I know I've shared before that in my old diaries, I can find entries that Let me know how happy I was that the church was closed because there just weren't friendly faces there. And the church has done a lot of work, but you know, we go there because we are working on ourselves. And so you do find a lot of broken people there too. So you have to find a place you're comfortable and it may just be for a season that you're comfortable at one setting and then you move on to a different setting. But I do want you to understand that your spiritual life is important. And a lot of us in the thinking triad enjoy our spiritual time, even on our own. So keep that all in mind five as you're doing your work. I also want to let you know that you're a past thinker. So it's a great thing to think about the past in the ways that remind you of how much you're romantically in love with your person. And it's a great thing. A lot of the fives I know are sentimental in that way. But I also want you to be aware that when you're thinking on past wounds and hurt and maybe even going to an unhealthy eight space, you want to be aware that that's not as wise to waste energy on going backwards in your perseverations about who hurt you. And it's kind of like that analogy I gave earlier with me thinking all the time, oh, my daughter doesn't like me. My daughter doesn't like me. It's like once I get to my sadness, once I process that with some body work, I'm probably going to have an endorphin or hormone shift and be able to say, you know what? She was having a mood and she was a mood. And um, I think that's important for you to do too, is to realize you are a past thinker. So make sure you don't stay in a zone of unforgiveness or hate. Okay, moving on to sixes, I want you to understand, as you probably well know, that your passion can be an unhealthy fear that is with you at all times. Your virtue, however, is courage. And as I said, you are the definition of resiliency itself when you're in your healthy space. But because that passion's always with you, you do a lot of troubleshooting. And in a relationship, your tendency is going to be to talk that out with your spouse, sometimes ad nauseum. And you might even ignore the body life you need together intimately because you're so attuned to your physical health. And you'd think, 
oh gosh, I need my rest. I can't be sexual. Or your spouse says, let's have some fun together. And you say, I can't have fun until we talk out this stressful or troublesome issue. Or I care about somebody because I'm a loyal friend and I need to show loyalty to the tribe. And so there's always these neuroses running through your brain. And that can be very good. Like we said, that can be beautiful that you're so considerate and thoughtful and you're going to get the job done. But it really can hurt your relationships when you don't know when to put a lid on it, when you don't know how to have poise and self-control about what you're sharing and just say, I'm good at this. I'm going to hold that confidence that as a six, I was made for this. And so I'm going to live well because I already know that even if my spouse isn't like this, I plan well for us. I'm going to own my gifts and whatever my spouse's gifts are, they don't have to be the same as mine. I'll bring this to the table. And of course, I will take some time to talk and to process with them. But it doesn't have to be that daily root canal of going to the emotional depths and healing our attachment wounds together on a daily basis. And I've talked about how to heal attachment wounds on other episodes, but it's very important that you do own your emotional life. You're a little bit more in touch with your emotions than the fives are. So I know it's not as easy because you also go to six, nine, and three, and you don't really hit the, uh, the feeling emotions as easily when you're so worked up and working so hard and so resilient. But you can get there through what I already shared in general for the thinking types among us. And so because your passion of fear is always with you, you're going to have to be vigilant like you are about things to also address your fears regularly and say, I'm going to be courageous because I'm going to step into action despite how I'm feeling and I'm feeling scared and and that's good feelings work right there. But maybe I can also address what would be helpful to do there and then do it, get into the action, get into the body. And now you've really come full circle and you've made your preparations and you're moving on. And if you can't do that in 15 or 20 minutes and you're stuck in your thinking, make sure you pull over in your car or make sure you take some time in that journal or write a pro and con list, but do some planning, do some praying and you will find results. So then you can start owning your resiliency, helping others and being able to say, gosh, I'm really well taken care of and God has my back and I have been doing well despite all my difficulties. And I think I can lead others because I'm so good at this. So I hope you'll do that. So moving into the sevens among us, I already hinted at the gluttony that we experience. And it's not just a gluttony of the foods we take in, although that's usually part of it too, it's a gluttony of the senses. It's realizing that we love stimulation and we want to feel things with our bodies and we love to think about ideas and that feels really safe to us. But what really doesn't come of that is you don't come down off your high horse and you don't face reality and you hurt people because you're not thinking about others. You're just aware that you had to take care of yourself as a child. So now you're taking care of yourself as an adult, but sometimes you may be walking on others in order to make sure you get your needs met because of your anxiety. So the important move from gluttony for a seven is the move to sobriety, which says I can focus and go to my five space. I can be calm I can be reasonable, I can be wise, I can get the job done in my one space, 
And it's a really nice move, but it also has to involve that emotional journey as I was sharing. And sometimes because we just have busy lives as sevens and some of us are parents, I know that it's not always easy to go to those emotions for us. Yes, we can use music. The ideal is that we would take time every month at least to take some time, even if just a few hours, to go to our emotional space. I enjoyed it so much. When I had a break just before Christmas, I had two days where I knew I would get to do some emotional processing. And I used music as a therapeutic modality, but I also used journaling. I also enjoyed prayer time. Of course, I did my body work, had to limit myself on my body work. I also took some time to write a song on the piano and share it with my best friend from, we have a 38-year friendship growing up. And It was beautiful to be able to recollect our journey together on Madden Street. That was the name of our street growing up. And we had set, we're both idealists. So we're like, we had such an idealistic childhood. You know that sevens and fours can do that, even though it's like, oh my gosh, there was so much hard stuff. But we're like, oh no, it was perfect. And so really reflecting on our lives and what they are and the hard things. We've both gone through some amazingly hard things since then. I had a lot of tears and just the journey came to me and it was beautiful to release it through music. And that's not my forte typically, but it was such a wonderful avenue. And then I even recorded it on Facebook Messenger for her and she gave me a message bawling and loved it. And then she was like, a few days later, can I share it with my parents? And I'm just like, okay, I'm not in my emotional space anymore, but that's fine. And so I have to force myself to go to that space because it's hard and it's painful and it's going to take time. And like I said, I live with a one and that's not something he really needs as much. When you listen to the passions and I'll do a whole episode sometime on passions and virtues, but the one just doesn't experience emotions for that long. Like I said, it's already kind of a built-in process for a one. So there's not a real journey there for a lot of ones. And sometimes they need a medical journey where they're like, ah, oh, my anger is intense and I need some help with that. But it's just a different route. So I really have to do my own work. And I want to encourage every seven and five and six to do their own work because your spouse won't know it or see it. And I had to wait for some time to do that when I was home alone and that doesn't always happen for me because my family are all social subtypes. And even this very minute, I'm recording in this precious time when it's just me. And it's wonderful to be able to do that. But that's a gift that we have to give ourselves occasionally, not all the time as thinking types. And so I've learned that my family is important. Their subtypes are important. And I can't be a social subtype too, or the whole ship goes down. And it did go down when my subtype was social because I was overdoing and overgiving to everybody. So you've got to have a pendulum swing kind of going at all times. And I don't think any of us would ever say it's exactly perfect. We may for a moment and we may have our great days, but in general, we're going to have to-do lists till the day we die. And that's okay because there's good things on that list, like loving the world and loving your spouse and your kids and also loving yourself. So we have to have some faith that there's a lot of good to be done in all of the intelligence centers, not just the thinking center. I can't express that enough for you guys. 
Another quick virtue I want to add for all the thinkers is to make sure that you're patient because when fives are stressed, they can be erratic like a seven who's flopping all over and sixes, as we know, can be erratic in their worry and neuroses and sevens can be erratic just in the ways that that's us holding up a lot of plates, thinking we need to do it all, thinking we have to avoid the hard emotions and then forgetting that the emotions will actually free us. So I want to remind us of patience. And I have a great quote for us because I know we are wordsmiths, those of us who are in the thinking triad. And it's from one of my favorite survivalist books that I like to teach to middle schoolers and enjoyed with all my kids except Jack. So I hope he'll enjoy it. He seems to be a thinker also. So the quote is, patience, he thought. So much of this, basically surviving, was patience waiting and thinking and doing things right. So much of all this, so much of all living was patience and thinking. And that quotes from Gary Paulson, who, as I said, writes Hatchet, a book about being stuck in Canada after a plane crash and having to use his wits. But we understand that in addition to wits, he had to do his body work and he had to let out his emotional pain in that story. He was dealing with parents' divorce and coming to terms with death as a coming of age story. So there's a lot of elements in our lives to push our growth forward. But we don't want to push too hard, especially for sevens. We want to balance out with not just forward thinking all the time, but what's going on now? Let me be present. Let me find some focus. Let me set some boundaries with my family like I did today to say I need some time alone and it's okay if I'm not there to make you happy right now. Or a six is to say, as much as I want to troubleshoot for hours and to discuss that out with my spouse... I can let us just enjoy life for a little while and have fun. I can take a break from my worry and I can even put that on the calendar for a different time today. I can go research WebMD all I want, but that's going to be from 6 to 6.30. And I know the rest of my day is going to be spent in action and in emotions and working. So there's a lot to keep us and we don't want to forget our playtime. We love just being in our thoughts and playing and reading many of us or creating music or inventions. So I just want to celebrate your gifts as a thinker. We appreciate you. I'm sure a lot of the thinkers out there have been part of bringing us vaccines. And we're so thankful that this year is ending with some hope and that shot of hope for those who are brave enough to go get the vaccine. And others of you may say, oh, no, 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 it's not a matter of bravery. I'm waiting or I don't want that. And I'm not judging you, but I want to celebrate the wonderful innovations of this year. And probably some of them have come from the thinking triads and teams of people in all of the whole Enneagram, every single gift, spiritually and otherwise. I want to celebrate as we close out the year. And I want to say thank you for a whole year of listens. I think we had something like 140,000 downloads this year. And that was amazing because before this year, I was mainly reaching people through my blog, Instagram, and coaching. And now I feel like we're really getting to share even more broadly these wonderful tools for our marriages together and our families and ourselves. So I hope you guys have a wonderful new year or that you're enjoying your new year. And don't forget to get ready for our challenge next week. So you can get on our email list at enneagramandmarriage.com or reflectionscc.com. Take care, you guys. Bye.